Glory. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord of hosts. Praise the Lord of angels. Most common name for God in the Bible? Lord of angels. You don't often hear that, but it is the truth anyhow. Glory. Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh, Shabbat. Can you feel the nourishment? <laughs> glory, glory, like glory. It? Yay, all right. Go ahead and drink as much as you want. Sapphire stone wine. They drank from the rock, and that rock was Christ, as it is written. Isaiah 54, 11. I will lay your foundations with sapphires. Plural. Many sapphires. It's your pathway of ascension to the throne of God the Father. And the path is edible. <laughs> you can drink your way up. Remember uh, Ezekiel 47? You had the temple, and then there was fish... They could swim into the temple. What also is the color of sapphire? Red. The ocean. The ocean. Red ocean. Is this a flotation device? Aquatic life. Is this loaf a flotation device? Yes or no? I'll tell you the truth. It's a lifesaver. <laughs> the water is the lowest part of God. <laughs> now, where's that in the Bible? I'm so glad you asked. We got charts today. Look at this chart. What's the furthest thing away from the Holy Holies? Just take a look. The water. You're a little closer, but you're still outside the temple, and you have something called Dude. the altar. There you find the altar. And that's when you learn to bring sacrifices. And if we're honest with ourselves, most Christianity ain't even at the altar of the outer court, and very little of water in the outer court. So we need to get all into that wash basin. Second Chronicles 4.2 And he made a cast metal sea as a water basin. It was round and ten cubits from edge to edge, five cubits high, and a line of thirty cubits measured its circumference. Second Chronicles 4.6 Then he made ten water basins. These represent the sephirot or the sapphire stones, each one washing you as you ascend to God. Ten water basins that came from the large basin there you can see, which represents the throne of Jesus where the waters come from. So the first step in approaching God is water. That's written in Revelation 22.17, which corresponds to the large water basin. Whoever's thirsty, come and drink freely. This outer court basin 
was a free water washing for the nations, for the whole world. Now you notice if you go one step further than the free water, there's an altar where you had to buy animals and burn them there. Which means it starts to cost you something, so you'll lose a lot of people. You lose them right there, they stay at the water, because the water's free. Okay? So one step closer to God, you, you start to get to the altar and start paying a price for more of God. You really like Him, and so you're willing to sacrifice for Him and live for Him. And you begin to burn different sacrifices on that altar there. And then when you have the water and the altar of fire automatic in your nature through constant use, because you're a royal priesthood, which means these are the areas in the heavenlies that you work at constantly. To be a royal priesthood, this is something your inner man always needs to do. And don't think there's a Sabbath rest from being a royal priesthood. If there's a rest from that, you're not even close to the water or the fire anymore. So it's a, it's a restful, refreshing work because it's a service to God like the angels. Now as we begin to burn on the altar whatever God requires of us, usually at this level it's a consistent open hands of businesses and marketplace and investments and finances and everything of the natural realm being put on the altar. That's where you'll put your children and your spouse and your friends and family and relationships and your text messenger and everything on your cell phones and televisions goes on that altar as a burnt offering. Amen. Holy and acceptable to God. And as the natural realm is consistently offered on that outer court altar, Notice there's a different altar when you step through the door into the holy place. It's called the altar of incense. There in the altar of incense in the holy place, everything's gold. That's the actual entry point into the kingdom. That's what you enter the kingdom. So even though you're born of water here, you have not entered the kingdom. As you can see with all infants in Christ, all their behavior Thoughts, opinions, interpretations are outside the kingdom. They're not golden yet. That golden mitre of the priesthood, holy to the Lord, is not resting upon their forehead at all. At all. So the water and the fire outside the temple are to wash you, cleanse you, burn you, in all of the natural realm offered to God consistently in the fire of the Holy Spirit and the angel ministers sent to you so that you can step through that door. And that's also written in Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. Okay, well, they're all apostolic and signs and wonders Christians in Revelation 2 and 3, but they haven't gone through the doorway. So there's the doorway. That's the doorway into the kingdom. So most Christians in an infancy state are absolutely not in the kingdom. They're outside the kingdom because their minds are not renewed. Now, Jesus says a progressive maturity through water and fire you will let me in, and we will fellowship one together and sup. The word sup there means to eat the twelve loaves of showbread that were upon the altar before the incense in the holy place. So there is when you learn to feed your spirit and to mature your spirit in the things of Christ. That's when the Christian nature or the Christ nature begins to be developed in your spirit. 
Notice the outer court is for just washing you to enter into the kingdom to begin growing your spirit in the holy place where everything turns gold, which means all your mindsets, all your thought life. Zeal for that place should consume you if you love God more than yourself. So you deal with the self-nature in the outer court with the water and altar of fire, burning the animal, right? Which is in the forehead and in the hand. Then you go into the kingdom. In the kingdom, you learn how to be a better priest, a deeper priest, a more faithful priest in the house of God. No one is a faithful priest in the outer court because there's mixture. The outer court is your infancy in Christ where you're tested to see if you even want to be a priest, if you even want God as your God. And the truth is, if you don't use the water and the altar there, you absolutely do not according to your actions. So your actions speak louder than your words. Hallelujah. Once your actions correspond in the outer court... And the burning of that altar out there also is what makes you hungry for the 12 loaves of showbread. Hungry. Amen. And then in the holy place, you have the menorah. That's when you begin to grow in the oil. You begin to grow in the anointing. But you're not in the holy of holies. You're just in the holy place. Now look at all that gold. You have a gold when the Lord Jesus Christ said, they're going to walk with me on streets of gold, look inside the temple. What's the floor made out of? Gold. So that's what actually walking on streets of gold is. So why don't Christians walk on streets of gold? They neglect and resist both the water and the altar for their animal, which is their nefesh. Your carnal mind, your fleshly appetites, oh, your religious carnality and religious thought life, your lust and the secret oh. passions of your heart, your thought life are not yet burnt or washed in the water and fire. Oh. Once you go into that realm of gold, oh. in the progression of maturity through sacrifice and washing, then and only then does every believer who matures through this process called sanctification begin to walk on oh, streets wow. of gold. God said, teach them about the priesthood. I don't think a lot of Christians even know about the new covenant priesthood. Here it is. Oh. Now you have the altar of incense, in which oh, represents prayer. Notice, there is no actual Ooh. reality of prayer in the outer court. This is where, in the outer court, you're just praying for yourself because you're carnal. It's praying oh. for me, myself, Ooh. and I out there. Once you go in, you're offering oh, incense man. into the nostrils of the Father. <laughs> you don't pray for yourself in the holy place. Your prayer is the Father's will in the holy place. On the streets of gold, zeal for the Father has consumed you. There you serve at the altar of incense, which is completely infused with the light through that gold from the mercy seat. And that veil's been torn. So in that realm, in the kingdom realm, you can see God. Okay? So in the New Covenant context here, surrounded by gold, you're in the menorah, which is the seven spirits of God, the messianic anointing mm. of the book of Revelation. You're ascending on sapphire stones. What comes from oh, the sapphire man. stones? The rivers, the water, mm. and the fire comes out of the stones. Oh. I will lay their foundations with sapphires, plural, the ten wash basins. comes out of the stones? The living water. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> and not just living waters, fire. <laughs> so the song we were I'm singing sweating. about cloud by day, fire by night, that comes out of the sapphire stone. That was the fastest I've ever broke a sweat. Water came gushing out of my eyes. And I think a little Let's see, we're still here. Is that good? Okay. Yeah. Okay, back to the temple. Okay. Right. All right. Temples so, within you, don't forget. Let's not get bewitched by a picture. So the faithfulness of the <laughs> outer court, which is how you handle the animal in the forehead, which is oh. the, the thought life of the flesh, the nefesh, if you've been crucified with Christ, you're picking up your cross and following him where? He, he ascended on high. You're following him upward. Okay. Up. <laughs> So the faithfulness, the faithful priest, here, every infant, after you're born again, has to stay around the water. You know, so a lot of Christians then at this point, they stop drinking and they start thinking. And they turn Christianity into a worldly philosophy, just another worldly religion. So they're far removed even from the outer court. That's why their belief systems are just totally in opposition to the scriptures. That's why they don't go up. Yeah. yeah, they just become worldly. And so they're just completely as lost as sinners because they leave the water. So the water is salvation of the outer court. The altar is salvation of the outer oh. court for the brain and for the hand in dealing with the nefesh of the flesh. Dealing now, with the nefesh of the flesh? when you go into the door, once you go into the door, there's another level of faithfulness. This level of faithfulness, honestly, is where I'm at. This is where I'm serving my God, in that realm of gold. And it's a totally different level of faithfulness to serve him with the oil, to be faithful with the oil, loyal with the oil, to serve him with the incense. What's the incense? It's what comes out of your mouth. That's what they're the prayer life, which is word life. Jesus Torah, he said it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you, but what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. So that incense that's coming out of your mouth, are you purifying? Sanctify those words. Sanctify yourself. Choose those words. Follow after Torah. Jesus Torah. And go up. Ascension. Offering going up. Like the prayers that go up. Oh, and then they praise. And then see them in heaven. And all of a sudden those praises. They just get swept up in the praises. And you can see the colors of the praise in the song. And then it carries them into the throne room. Wow. It's like that. Ooh. Good. All right. So there's a lot more to that. But I wanted to give you New Covenant foundations of the priesthood. Just so you can start to get faithful in those ten water basins that come out of the sapphire stones. Because that's what will wash you. <laughs> you have those points in you. The issue is, are they washing you? So those basins were created, and they remain sovereignly through creation in your mortal bodies. So, you know, just because Solomon's temple was destroyed, what does that mean? It represents the human temple being destroyed. Absolutely. And then Herod's temple, which God did not ordain, is illegitimate in every way. It's not even a legitimate temple. God doesn't even qualify that one at all. But then the other temple, which is your bodies, whether it lives or dies, 
even spiritually, mentally, morally, and physically, is determined by the faithfulness you are to the water, to the stones that produce the water, and these stones also produce the fire, right? Isaiah 6, a stone touched the mouth. What stone do you think that was? I believe it was the stone of Keter, which is the crown stone of these foundations that you walk on of sapphires of Isaiah 46, 11, because it's associated with the seraphim. That is the angelic sphere of seraphim angels. Which one? Keter. Como shame. Right? Oh, we have a lot of... If we were going to go into those rounds about those angel classifications, we'd probably go into worlds. I think it's good <laughs> to focus on the first world of Isaiah for now. But there is a place in a realm in the world of Bam, look at that. them is. barely understanding that they even <laughs> exist apart from God. God's light so bright they barely even can conceive in their ability to have a concept that they exist separately from God because it's so glorious. It's so I think beautiful. even just at a kindergarten level oh, here yeah. of cosmic righteousness, associating Picture. some biblical understanding that you already have that you've heard the stories of Isaiah, how the seraphim touched his mouth, now associating that with the New Covenant priesthood, elevations, and mapping it out, the geography of it, through the heavens to God. So it's a practical, step-by-step process in your lives, and it's not just philosophy, learning about external things about God that won't even benefit you. Right. So every realm, every world has a Keter, has a Malkut to Keter. And the world of Yetzirah, which is... In the unsanctified part of it, that's called Pan's Labyrinth, right? Because if you're dealing with Moloch and Pan, the left and the right, we got to deal with the curse of the fall because it's in the human DNA. It's in the world, the curse of the fall. For that to be reversed, the enemies must be confronted. God sent them to war. Sometimes he said, hold up, let me fight the battle. I'll just, you know, throw some hail on them. We'll just, you know, or make a big shout and the walls come falling down. Whatever the specific instruction is for that season, that time, you do that specific instruction, and you learn something along the way. You pass the test. When Jericho comes down, and God says, you know, all our money and all that stuff, don't take any of it for yourselves, but go and just devote everything to destruction, and just give it to the priests into the tabernacle, and don't take any for yourself. None for you, all for my temple and for my priest this time. And then people manifested because God was testing their hearts. And they said, what about me and my house? I need to increase. I'm part of this tribe too. Blah, blah, blah. And then they died. They put gold in their tent. <laughs> but the whole point, they, what they didn't understand, this is what the Lord told me. They, what they didn't understand is if they had just obeyed that one time and passed a test, that meant the, the idolatry was getting burnt out. So people who passed a test got circumcised of heart and it removed the idolatry. They got from the them. plunder of 25 cities. Yeah, they got all, the and the other people, like, Jericho actually was, physically died. Would you sanctify first fruits to me? Right. And there were ones that couldn't even do that, so they were terminated. Why couldn't they do it? Why was it hard to devote to dis- to destruction, except for he said, all of the vessels of gold and silver bring into the temple, into the priesthood. The reason why they couldn't handle that is because the people who were selected as the priests were receiving that gold and that silver. So it went into that treasury, and they were that was their whole life that was devoted to and so here they have just like the, all the rest of the tribes that are not the priesthood or Moses or Joshua in this case. Like everyone who's not them, not getting any financial increase from that biggest victory that they had. Hmm. Zero financial increase for them. 
all the money went into the temple and it went to the people of God who serve God as the priest. And what God did that on purpose because he wanted to, he wanted to remove the people who had idolatry. The reason why they couldn't handle it is because the priest, the priesthood, uh, that God cut stuff out of the priesthood hearts. Their daily, like their standard of righteousness and living was so much higher than everyone else's because they had to. Otherwise they would actually, it's life or death for them every single it's day true. going in the temple. It's written in the word. So, I mean, if they just offered strange fire or whatever, dead. Doesn't matter whose son you are. Oh, Aaron's son, whatever. And I think one dead. of the main strongholds in that area is that when all the gold and silver mm -hmm. went to the Levites, yep. if you read scripture, it wasn't just for advancing the kingdom and ministry. They didn't do an orphanage outreach that listen week. Now, it just literally went listen, to the temple. Because this will destroy Satan out of you. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just so they could do ministry and do works and just look like a, a slave and a servant to God out there. More than half of it, if you read Exodus, was for the priest's enjoyment. Mm -hmm. For the priest's quality of life. So that's why they that's even... That's where know. you really start hitting mm -hmm. the poverty demons. Yep. So what happened was the people who couldn't pass that test... They thought that the priest must be like them because they hadn't gone through that same circumcision that the priest had had to go through daily to even survive as a priest. Because to be called and sent in the priesthood, like I said, it doesn't matter whose son or daughter you are. If, you know, you offer strange fire and that stuff goes down, it's life and death every day. It was said in the book of the patriarchs that the, the Levites, they would be the ones fighting the visible and invisible battles. So they had chances to die in physical battles, invisible battles, and then God also might kill them if they don't stay pure. So on all sides, literally, they were facing life and death every day, and the, and the consecration of purity had to be at such a higher level. Well, God wanted a nation of priests. God wanted a nation of holy people. So this was his way of circumcising the hearts and testing them, because the people who didn't pass that test, they thought in their hearts that the Levites were idolatrous and greedy like they were because but they're not because they, they went through the priesthood sanctification god burnt that out of them during the priesthood but the people who were moses greedy and, and jealous training. they yeah moses they thought that they were like them and so they said that's not fair god's not fair i need money for me my own house and that's not even how like that's not even how the priesthood is the priesthood is literally it's is as much as all right he said, you know, my own sons offered strange fire. God killed them. Go drag their bodies out and you don't even mourn for them. That's the level of set-apartness and severity they're walking in. So for those other people to don't say... Don't mourn at your children's funerals ministries. Right. So that's the kind of level of set-apartness, sanctification of priesthood, whether it's old covenant or new, new covenant. Literally, it's like, it's very severe. So those things, the way that people who feel like jealousy about money and envy and strife that doesn't exist in that level of sanctification of priesthood but all the night all the people who actually did pass the test the ones who didn't take it for themselves not only did they not die god circumcised their hearts making them more and more holy more and more righteous and so they were fit to inherit when they went and conquered for them to be a wealthy nation so but you have to pass a test so when it comes to jealousy tests Understand, when you're jealous towards people because of their destiny or their calling or God blesses somebody else, your neighbor, whoever else it is, blesses your uh, your friend, your spouse, your maybe one of your kids gets blessed by God. You know what I mean? Like, give me that $20 bill. I know you found it on the ground. 
Like, it gets bad out there. You know, and that's just a dumb example. But if you have that jealous thing, you're only stealing yourself. You're only stealing from yourself. You're stealing from your own destiny. You're destroying your own destiny. You know, people talk about this before. You know, you've heard a lot of pre preachers even talk about this. What's the difference between David and Saul? Their anointings. Nothing. They both had the same kingly anointing, same Samuel, same horn of oil. What's the difference? How they stewarded it. Saul was so jealous of David. That murderous jealousy cost him all his destiny, his salvation, his life, his family, everything. Everything that he was jealous about, it went to someone else. You have to give up jealousy. It will kill your destiny. And people think, oh, it's not that bad. I'm not actually killing anyone. Well, guess what? You know, Saul, he threw the spear and he missed. Most Christians, especially charismatic ones, these days are worse than Saul because when they throw spears in the spirit, it impales through the spirit. And they actually murder the inner child or attempt to. And by the grace of God, he keeps people alive. But a lot of you, at the sound of my voice, you might have actually thrown spears at people. And you might need forgiveness for that Saul activity. Because if you've thrown a spear in the spirit and it impaled through their spirit, you are guilty as Saul. And you've already forfeit your destiny and all your blessings and all your anointing and your kingdom. And you don't, you might not realize it. But there's a chance, this is the new covenant, we're in a greater covenant. There's an opportunity for you to repent. If you have impaled someone, I'm talking about with a physical, invisible spear. Because only believers have this ability. Only people of Israel have this ability because you have a sword of the spirit. You have weapons in the spirit. So you're the only one who's capable of doing that much harm to someone's spirit. The Saul's are only believers. Mm -hmm. And so if you're guilty today, if there's any point in your past that you have not repented with your mouth before God for throwing the spirit at someone's spirit or even impaling them with it, let there be repentance in your heart today or let that guilt remain upon you and let all of your blessings die and be cursed with the jealousy that you have towards God's true anointed. So repent or forfeit your destiny. You have to deal with it. This is the way of the Lord. It's the severity of his judgment. His kindness and his mercy, his heart towards you is, I don't want that to happen to you. God doesn't want to regret having called you and and chosen you and, and taken you all through this work that you've done. He doesn't want to forget all the wonderful things that you've done together with him. But what's the point in that? You've ruined every good thing you've ever done with God with one spear throw. And you think you deserve something that he want, he's going to give to David now because you couldn't resist jealousy and murder. And if that's you, humble yourself today. There's The reason we're even talking about this is there's grace for you to repent. For you to you not go back to that water basin wash and then you go back to the altar and make sacrifice mm -hmm. uh, in the spirit mm -hmm. with all your heart soul mind and strength then you get right with god and the holy ghost and the water of the word really begin to wash you mm -hmm. so what does it say leave your sac if you have if, if this is you leave your sacrifice at the altar don't even bother you're not worthy of it not just oh i'm sorry god it, what does it say it doesn't say go and make yourself right with god go and make things right with your brother with your sister that means humble yourself or lose the anointing and the blessings you were going to walk in because you couldn't stop yourself from attacking god's anointed 
instead of supporting, you went into jealousy, you went to a demon. You used the sword of the spirit for demons. You used the gift of gods as a murderer and a liar and a thief. And you think you deserve what God's going to give David. You don't. So repent. Make things right with the one. Oh, I see the cloud right now in this place. Make things right with your brother or your sister. Humble yourself and repent. It's not just some little secret place. Oh, God, I'm sorry. You know, don't do it again. And then you go and murder the next person. God knows the heart. You can't pretend. Some of you are already walking in a lesser destiny than you were supposed to. And it's not going to change until you change the way you treat others. Until you change the way you treat the Davids, the Jonathans. You can be a David. You can be a Jonathan. You don't have to be a Saul. God did not create you to be a Saul. He did not create you to be a jealous hater. He wants to bless you, so why do you keep stopping him? If you chase after lust, if you chase after jealousy and envying strife and attacking David, attacking David will never fulfill your destiny. It will only destroy it and you have no one else to blame but yourself. And that's the truth anyhow. I hope somebody hears this and repents today because God cares for your destiny. He didn't make you just to have some deformed thing. He gave you free will. So work together with God. Humble yourself. Don't be that person who always just shoves everything under the rug and never apologizes to the people that you've impaled, that you've hurt, that you've attacked with your sword of the spirit, thinking you're doing the will of God, but attacking what God wanted to do. You will never get back what's supposed to be yours by trying to steal it from someone else. That makes you Satan. That makes you a Satan, a liar, and an accuser, and a murderer. And that's the problem with toxic Christian culture. And you wonder why God doesn't bless it. He never will. And you'll never inherit the promises that way. So today, change your heart. Rend your heart, not your garments. And start to treat others the way you would want to be treated. Sometimes, you know, the Saul's might have been, if you have that spirit, a lot of times it comes on people because other people have murdered you like Saul. This is where the difference between Davids and Saul's are being formed. The Jonathans, the Davids. If someone murdered you like Saul, don't go around throwing spears at others. That's a temptation. You're stronger than that. By the Spirit of God, you get the healing. You can pull that spear out, get some help if you need to. Let it heal. Get the bitterness out. You're not going to say, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to treat others the way they treated me. I refuse to become per a perpetuator of demonic offspring. That is not my portion. That is not my destiny. It's not going to be as hard as you think. Just humble yourself. Seek forgiveness. And do the right thing. Don't perpetuate that seed line. Be a Jonathan be a David, and let the true destiny scroll be released from heaven for you. It's not just like, oh, just sweep it under the rug and act like nothing ever happened and nothing will ever get restored. But do the right thing. Leave your sacrifice at the altar until you make things right. Walk in the true way of holiness. And God will bless you. 
and then your sacrifice will be accepted. And then you can go in. No, you can go up. What's stopping you from going higher? This is where it gets real. And that's the power of God. The power of forgiveness. Forgive them, Father. For they knew not what they did when they did it to me. So let me not do it to others. The crucified life. Sobering and intoxicating. <laughs> yeah, jealousy is a destiny killer, and I've watched it destroy a thousand souls already. It's no joke. The devil's always tempting people in something stupid. And when you're young in the Lord, you often don't know that it's a demon. And you just start letting your thoughts be influenced by demons. But as an ig ignorant, carnal Christian... And next thing you know, you're literally a priest of demons thinking you're a born-again servant of God. And that is extremely common. Extre that's what happened to the whole hordes of hell are marching in Final Quest Chapter 1. They all thought they were servants and priests of God, but if you read the book, they're servants and priests of demons. And that's the majority of the body of Christ yeah. in the book. And it's a revelation of what you're dealing with in the charismatic church. The majority are priests of demons. And that's a huge wake-up call because we got all kinds of false teachings that self-justifies and saying it's really not that bad, it's worse. Mm -hmm. uh, God's a perfectionist and he's provided all the water and the fire to make us perfect and there aren't that many people at the water. There aren't that many people at the river, at the sapphire stones, washing and a sapphire stone also is an angelic interpretation of the word of god that produces living water so you'll have the archangels at each station of each sapphire stone isaiah 46 11 and they will have the interpretation of the water of the word so that it washes you which means if your understanding of the bible ain't changing you are not standing by a living stone you're not near the kingdom. He builds with living stones, believers' rewards, gemstones. Well, here they are. All of them produce life. And that life has a box around it called the Word of God. The Word of God is the container of the life of God. So you can't have life in you unless you agree with the Father's Word. So all the testing when you're younger in the Lord is... Am I going to interpret Scripture like God the Father does through the wash basin and through the altar of fire with the inner contents of the blood and the water inside the Word? For 1 John 5 says that on earth you have the blood, the water, and the Spirit, but no Word. That's what the Bible says. The Word's in the second heaven. That's what the Bible says. Because here on earth you're learning to interpret from inside the Word. So when the word goes forth, if you are not in the inner contents of the spirit and the blood and the water of it, you're not even hearing the gospel. If you are a nefesh Christian, a carnal Christian, locked up in senses and reasoning, and it filters through the brain, you're hearing through Leviathan serpent, word serpent. Okay, Leviathan is the word serpent. What kind of word? The word of God serpent. 
Having ears but never hearing, having eyes but never seeing. Otherwise they'd repent. What does it repent? Return to me or ascend. It is written. So you have to make sure that you're hearing and seeing correctly from the inside contents of the word and not the outside contents of the word. If you cannot go into the word, into the blood and the water, the truth is, even though you've been in Christianity 10, 20, 30, 40 years, you've never actually experienced real Christianity yet. You have a cultural Laodicean earthly Christianity, and most of that completely opposes the inner contents of the word. So we've got to go past the dead letter into the inner contents. That's when you start to get persecuted, saying your word twisting, your interpretation's too mystical, it's it's so weird, you're such a strange Christian. No, you're inside the blood. Okay, you're inside the veins and arteries of the body of Christ that's held together by the word. Now your word is working. How does the word working? The working of the word, the living word that works. Okay, it's the altar of the living word. How is it working? It is flowing through the veins and arteries of the heavens and the earth. Okay, that's why they'll have a cosmic body. So the cosmic body has rivers, it has streams, it has fountains, just like your body does in the realm of the natural, first in the natural, then in the spiritual. The reason why you have it mapped out in the natural, you understand science and how your heart beats and how uh, veins and arteries carry blood to and from the heart. Well, understand that in the heavens with angels that move inside the waters of the word through different areas of God's creation, because that's what it symbolizes. Your blood and your veins and your arteries are symbolic of a greater reality. The flesh mirrors a greater reality of the spirit world. Truth anyhow. As below, so above, and as above, above, so below. Both. And they correspond to each other. So if you're a mess below, guaranteed it's all principalities and demons above. If you're getting cleaned up below... You're getting cleaned up above. You're beginning to stand on sapphire stones. You're beginning to awaken to your celestial body how the kingdom of heaven works in reality. And so the water is washing you. So you're changing below and you're changing above. Your thought life changes below. Guess what happens above? Your angel gets brighter. Mm -hmm. Your spirit man is more radiant. Looks more like God the Father's glory. But if there's no change below, there's no change above. And so they always correspond, and you keep going up seven heavens. And it's all about the depth of the Word of God in each elevation. How deep does the Word go? The Bible says the king's heart is beyond searching out. That means there is no depth that you can ever come to in God and say, here's the end. That's also true of interpretation of Scripture, since God is His Word. You have people so arrogant down here that say, this is what the Bible means. Even more crazy. This is what revelation means. And if someone teaches otherwise, they're a false teacher. These people are nuts. I'm telling you, there's no depth, no height, no breadth, no width. You can't measure how deep the inner contents of the word are. But you can start to let it blast the sin and the religion and the pride and the stubbornness and the sorcery out of you and the witchcraft and the magic arts, which is religious garbage out of you. You can let it burn you and cleanse you and heal you outside the temple. I believe that completely corresponds to getting your body and the impulses of your body in check to serve the holy place 
in the spirit. Now, if, you're, if your impulses of the flesh are crucified, the outer court, we all know the outer court is the flesh, now you can begin to serve with the inner court. Or are you walking on streets of gold in the spirit, in a spiritual city called heavenly Jerusalem that has literal streets of gold? It's not figurative, it's not a parable, it's literal. This is the realm that creates the gold. Amen. This is the realm that created everything. And you're in that. You're in that sovereignty of God, creator of everything. The issue is you want to be in right standing within that creation with his holy angels who are blessed and obedient. Because one third are not, and they're disobedient, and they're not blessed, they're cursed. The issue is you positioning yourself through thoughts and belief systems and actions and deeds and words with the correct angels and not the ones that are doomed to destruction. The reason why negative things happen to human beings is because they're with the wrong angels. 100% of the time. If you get around the right angels, only good things will begin to happen in your life. Simple as that. Change kingdoms, learn obedience, which is the same actions of the holy angels, and good things will shower you constantly. Mm. Amen. Amen. Real repentance with the real holy angels. It's a blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Lord said too that some people will repent in secret. They'll maintain their course and they'll go to some heights and it'll be good. Uh, but there'll be others who go and repent in person to the people that they've wronged and they will fulfill their original destiny. That's the difference. There's a 30, 60, 100 fold in all repentance. Because it'll be producing different measurements of light. Because the reason why you repent isn't just so, oh, now I'm forgiven. It's to grow closer to God, to manifest His nature. Okay? Depart from me, worker of iniquity, you didn't know me. Iniquity there means rebellion, which is doing your own thing using the guise of Christianity. Saying that you're doing Christian works and activities and Christian prayer and all this stuff. But it's, what did Jesus Christ say? It wasn't out of knowing me. It wasn't out of Him. So since it wasn't out of Him, it was just you doing Christianity, which is sons of Aaron's strange fire. Still dead works. Now why don't you get the same punishment as the sons of Aaron when you practice strange fire? Because there'd be no Christians left on the planet. They'd be instantly all killed. That's why. Because you have to learn gradually through the water and the fire because God's standard is perfect. So there is... And abounding grace to learn the priesthood to see what kind of sacrifice he requires. And you change and you learn. And you'll taste the death of your misdeeds. That's part of learning the process. You'll be around the water so you stay clean. This is all about clean and unclean in the book of Revelation becoming a high priesthood. A celestial priesthood. A heavenly Jerusalem and a heavenly Israel priesthood. To attain these heights, you will be as perfect as Jesus Christ. And that's the standard of the new covenant. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. We're down here saying, I can't because I have a sinful nature. Listen, man, if you're born to God, you got a divine nature. The issue is it's still dormant in there because you haven't even begun to realize the glory of Jesus in you, which means to begin performing as a priest of the Melchizedek order requires the awakening to Jesus Christ literally 
inside your spirit. Very few born-again believers are there right now. That's why a lot of the stuff just sounds so far out and impossible, and they just turn it off, get discouraged after five minutes, and start making excuses and self-defending and all this stuff. It's because they haven't even realized that Jesus is literally inside them. When you realize that, you're like, okay, I'm in covenant now. I'm not doing this alone. I'm doing it with him. That's why he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. But with God, all things are possible. Where's God? Closer than the air you breathe. He's in a deeper, closer dimension than breath. It's the very light that holds together your immortal, eternal spirit right here in your belly. If you haven't found Jesus in there yet, you can't really become a priest and you certainly can't enter that realm of gold. So the water and the fire outside the temple is a place where you get so washed in the living water from within the temple. Ezekiel 47, it flows out of the temple. That's where the wash basin is. Why? So that your mind is renewed to begin seeing Jesus because Jesus is your access into higher realms. You're not your access into the higher realms. Your behavior changes, so you are accountable. It's not just all in Jesus, otherwise their judgment would be unjust. But judgment is just because you are required to yield and participate with his ways and to think his thoughts. So you're not off the hook. It's not just all the judgment on Jesus. That's hogwash. There's no judgment on Jesus. And there's only judgment on human beings, according to the Bible. They shall all stand before the white throne judgment seat of Christ. So Christ is completely judged already. The issue is, we're not. We want to be now. We want to be judged in everything that's not perfect to be terminated out of our spirit, soul, and flesh. That's what the water and the altar do. It judges the animal. It judges the human opinion. It judges the selfishness, the greed, the fear, the serving of demons. You keep bringing sacrifice to that altar outside the temple, keep staying at the water, it will reveal all your familiar spirits, all the areas of error where you're way off. And that's the purpose and the function of the water basin and the altar of fire where you burn the animals. The animals are burned outside the holy place. Okay, once the animal is terminated, now all the uncleanness of the curse of the fall is out of your consciousness and you have a clean heart and clean mind, you can ascend the mountain of the Lord, which will step into the door, into the realm of gold, begin working with the oil, begin eating the bread. Why can you only eat the bread inside the temple? Because you're not even aware of your own spirit outside the temple. Bread can't even help you outside the temple. You just trample it underfoot like the Israelites of old, complaining, murmuring about this angel bread. Oh, the archangel bread of the third heaven has come down here and they're whining and complaining. It's like, we hate this stuff. We, we hate the angels. We hate their food. Right? I mean, that's what they did. Why didn't they appreciate it? You think, oh, we'd appreciate it. Well, this is how you'd appreciate it today in 2023. Most absolutely do not. They despise it. They hate the words at Joel's Bar. They hate the words at Red Letter Ministries. They hate him. A lot of people have dedicated their lives to destroying and harming this ministry. Why? It's because these words are only for the born-again spirit at the expense of the animal flesh that has already been terminated outside the temple doors. This really exposes, in all Christianity, how few have burned the animal out of their forehead. How few have burned the animal out of their hands. Because once you do, living in the kingdom is fun, enjoyable, every day is thrilling. You're not offended by anything. 
Why? Because you already burned the realm that can be offended on the uh, on the altar outside the door. Keep burning the animal on the altar outside. How long does it take? Well, it took Apostle Paul 17 years. It took Paul 17 years, the Bible says. We think we're just going to do it overnight. Overnight Apostle Paul's. Skip the wash basin, skip the altar. I tell you what, you won't. You're going to deal with yourself and God has a system to deal with you, and it's wonderful. A royal priesthood that learns how to be faithful priests in the water, in the fire, at the altar, working that altar. What a wonderful place to be. In your infancy, you will be in these realms continuously to deal with your sin, your rebellion, your wrongdoing, your greed, your selfishness, your self-consciousness, your religiousness. These realms are created in the new covenant for your salvation. And there is salvation nowhere else except the water and the fire. And it gets better as you're faithful because then you go into cleaner, higher, holier places. No one can ascend to God except through fire and water and cleansing. And then you come into the bread. Now the bread is the building up. So when you walk before God, having eaten the 12 loaves of showbread before the altar of incense, your spirit man is filled with God and you're presenting yourself as a son of God by doing all the works of God. So you look and act and talk like the father. See, the father is producing a race of sons of God. The father is producing ones that are like him in speech and deed. And you only become like that through the process of the priesthood of which Solomon's temple symbolizes. Amen? And it's a wonderful thing. The presence will get stronger every day. I'm sure that 17th year at the altar of the animal, the Apostle Paul was always experiencing the presence in a stronger way as his mind's renewed. All of the Jewish scriptures stirring up in his spirit, washing them in the water of Jesus Christ, burning them on the altar of Jesus Christ. Now I understand Moses and the prophets in a much deeper way within my spirit so I can write the New Testament. Hallelujah. And we read it today through the water and through the altar from the holy place and even the throne of God. Amen. So there's a depth to the word and that depth is an altar burning the outsides and dealing with the insides everything hidden in darkness brought into the light fire is light fire produces warmth and fire produces light so there's no life even in the realm of the natural except through fire without the sun there's zero population on earth you know that Not one human being could breathe or walk the earth. There wouldn't be a single tree, a single animal, nothing. There would not be a single human being without the fire of the sun. Okay? So fire represents life. And the fire of the Holy Ghost sustains the fire of the stars because the Holy Spirit created them, Genesis 1. So you have also spiritual life above and natural life below, and both are holy to the Lord. So you're learning how to serve Him, both naturally and spiritually, as one. 
Not in some kind of schizophrenic dichotomy where flesh is bad and spirit's good. Not some kind of Gnostic heresy where I'm always denying the flesh. I'm upgrading the flesh by the Holy Ghost. I think the river flowing from the temple is pure and holy. I think the river wants to wash. What does the Bible say? No one ever hated their flesh, but they take care of it. And if you have sinned and defiled your flesh in any way, you need the washing of the water of the word in the flesh. Read the scriptures. It says that's for the flesh to make the flesh clean. If you are tempted in the flesh and sinful in the flesh, and if the flesh has seared your conscience and taken over your spirit so that you don't even access the divine nature, probably need to do a little fasting. <laughs> fasting will crucify the flesh, deaden the impulses of the flesh, which is an electricity in the mind and in the organs and in the bones and the marrow for blood carries the impulses of energy, both of Satan's kingdom and Jesus Christ's kingdom. Jesus had impulses in his flesh from the Holy Ghost, and he obeyed. Every time the Holy Ghost asked him to do something, he did it. He was led by the Holy Spirit, it is written. Amen. How do you get led? There is a lightning impulse, an electrical impulse, that comes right down upon you from God the Father, Within you and upon you, both. For the kingdom of heaven is in you and upon you. Luke 17, 21, both. So you do all things unto God with your spirit, soul, mind, and strength, or whatever spirit you're serving. You're serving him with everything you got anyhow, because if you're using your body and your words and your thought life for it, you're using your whole body for it, your whole existence for it. That's why you shall have no other gods besides me, it is written. What does that mean? that the impulses are only directed to the obedience of one Holy Spirit. That's practically non-existent in the world right now. We want to get there. We want to get to the place where Apostle Paul says, I have served God with my whole spirit. That means my heart, my emotions, my feelings are completely controlled by the Holy Ghost. My mind, my thoughts... Those things that pass before my eyes and my senses and my reasoning are all controlled with the Holy Ghost. My bones and my marrow are guided by the Holy Ghost. We're going sailing through the Mediterranean. I appeal to Caesar, and to Caesar you will go. So the bones carried by the Spirit through the winds of the Spirit, through the storms of the enemy, surviving and sailing all the way up into Caesar's palace. Philippians chapter 4. Greetings from Caesar's palace. So you can see even the bones completely guided and controlled by the winds of the Holy Spirit for everyone. God wants that standard for all of you to be completely controlled by the Holy Ghost. It You can't do it without water and fire. I'll tell you that right now. Until you understand the priesthood system, all this stuff will sound like wonderful ideas to you, but it won't be practical. I need you to imagine through the word of God in the scriptures, for this is what paints a picture. When Hebrew teaching comes forth, it's in picture language. So it's visions. You need to visionate the word. So when you get the vision on the TV screen of Revelation in your forehead, you begin to see the water basin. And there's water in the word. Now my thoughts are getting washed. The tendencies, it forces you to deal with areas of darkness and bring it into the light of the water. What's, what's living about the water? It's divine light. It's Shekinah. It's like rivers of Shekinah, living water lights from Jesus Christ. And it begins to wash the thought life. 
it begins to make everything clean. It's to clean the whole vessel. So you get washed before you even go to the altar. And there you present the sacrifice of whatever animal thing you're dealing with, whether it be doves or beasts or bulls or calves or sheep or oxen. You burn it all. You burn everything until that outer court is washed and automatic in your life as a disciple and you begin to serve in a higher dimension of God walking on streets of gold, even if we get into that place. Now, I believe that place, take a look at this, once we get into a higher dimension and a deeper dimension in the New Covenant Priesthood, you will be in the heavens. You will be in realms called sapphires, which are planetary spheres and abilities of archangels and living stones. These are the realms that the enemy has taken over to rule the earth. And if you begin to come into these realms, you will rule over the earth instead of fallen angels. Taking these realms requires a greater maturity as a royal priesthood. A maturity of a royal priesthood that, is, that does not currently exist in Christianity. And that's why it seems to be so controversial. <laughs> but it's the truth anyhow. For a far off and a remote generation for when the wicked are removed from where? The second heavens. Oh, yeah. Enoch, chapter 1. From the second heaven. So we're going to have a second heavens priesthood. And all of the paranoia and fear and misunderstanding and the charismatic church will be removed from the second heavens. You begin to understand sapphire stones. You begin to understand Genesis chapter 1 Torah, which is the creation story. And how these realms belong to the righteous in the beginning. And how they will also belong to the righteous at the end. As it was in the beginning, so shall it be in the end. The Alpha and the Omega. The Aleph and the Tav. So the Tav generations here that's going to learn to how to use these spheres that were given to Adam and Eve in the beginning and they forfeited them to Satan and his angels pretty quickly. And that's why we've had so much destruction and sin and sexual morality and death and, and terrible things in the history of humankind. It is all because of the forfeit of the heavens. Notice the promises in Peter our first new heavens. So new heavens happens when you learn the geography and the mapping of the heavens. There's a Daniel 12.3 generation here that will teach righteousness, therefore shine as the stars in the heavens forever. And the wise will shine as the firmament, but those that are righteous and teach righteousness, shining as the stars, which are two different categories of, of believers in the end times. Now Daniel says that's for the end times. You're in them right now. It's talking about you. So whether you're faithful with the water or the fire or the altar, it's all depending on how much of this you get into and walk in today. A lot of people, as you can tell, are just really not into it or are very violently against it. But the truth is, this is the only way. Walk in it. I will show you the way you must walk in it, and there is no other way. The Jewish interpretation of Scripture using stars is absolutely the truth. It's absolutely biblical. It's absolutely righteous, and is the correct Holy Spirit interpretation of Old Testament and New. What we're dealing with, and I feel this even in myself, coming out of five years of Bible college and studying the Scriptures continuously in full-time ministry, is an earthly interpretation of the New Testament. That opposes rising into a dominion from an elevation of an angelic sphere. 
The very thing you know is killing you. And that's what scripture says. The very thing you know that you think is God is the thing sucking you dry from the enemy. There's a reason why it says the whore of Babylon's drunk on the blood of the saints. The reason why the whore, which is Jezebel, by the way, the Tower of Jezebel, charismatic Christianity of the flesh instead of charismatic Christianity of the spirit, of the inner man. That's what Jezebel is, and she's drunk on the blood of the saints because she has been stealing and robbing the interpretation of Scripture at a celestial level. So that even the elect and the elite could be deceived by interpreting all the Scriptures in the New Testament at an earthly, unspiritual, even demonic level, but it sounds like such good doctrine, so 100,000 people tune in and be like, oh, I just got washed today. You got washed in slime today. What about their, they live a holy, pure life? It's not about the holy, pure life only. It's also about the elevations of the inner man resurrected, Philippians 3.11, also. You can be a rich sorcerer and um, and get rid of that impulse to go after like prostitutes and certain kind of drugs. There are elevations of sorcery where they'll walk in wealth and external appearance of goodness. Right, so that's like white magic or red magic, and it's all self-righteousness. But there are levels of sorcery that they can walk in where they're not going to be tempted. They're not jerking off to porn all day because they don't, they're not, they're above it and they know it. They're like, I'm too high for that. That's not my elevation. They understand it's a lower elevation than they want for their, you know, they're like, I'm, I'm better than they're that animal. They're not enslaved to the Tower of Jezebel. Right, they're not, they're above Je <laughs> Jezebel's Tower, so they're not subject to that, because they're better than that, and they know it. In their own eyes, that's, you know, they think, you know, I'm better than that. I'm not going to be someone who's like that. Like, that's for the low dog people. That's for the sand people down there, right? Because they, they don't want to be a part of that. They want to be successful, and they know that if they abide by certain ways, then they can do it. And don't be like, oh, well, that's, oh, well, well you know. I'm telling you what, there's so much, uh, there's so much that's going on in the world right now. Literally, one of the trends in some of these younger generations, this is like, we're going to talk about kind of sexual stuff, you know, parents, just in case, you know, your discretion, viewer discretion, advice. Like the, you know, the talk about like the no fap challenge. You have a whole, like, generation, all these young people who have realized that uh, jerking off to pornography and drinking alcohol is actually toxic, poisonous, and is like a dark energy that's trying to siphon their essence. They already know that, and they're not even saved yet. They don't even have all things that you have, but it's not even a problem for them. Sure, stop jerking off to pornography? Easy, no problem. Not even saved. Well, guess what? Why in the hell would they want your version of Christianity when they're already more successful at it than you? And they're not even at baseline salvation explain to me why would they want your version of bondage and all that stuff and oh it's just so hard and temptation they're not it's not even that hard for them it's just like a 30-day challenge and they're free so why would they want what you have when it's clearly worse oh you have all these years of study and excellence and this and that yeah it doesn't work mm -hmm. you're much better off just not even purity will become a, a really big fad soon yeah. We hear a lot about all the, the immorality and the Target stuff mm -hmm. and the 
uh, the crazy LGBT mm-hmm. agenda and um, you know the Satanism. And that stuff is out there, and that's out there. But but the influence mm. is highly the manifesting sons of God, which of course mm. is never going to make the news. Mm. But you can see it in all the restaurants. Mm-hmm. You would never have mocktails or non-alcoholic cocktails in the restaurants mm-hmm. until 2016, 17, 18, when Joel's army started really attacking alcohol and conquering it. Mm-hmm. And bringing an alternative of the river. Mm-hmm. Now, nearly every restaurant will have alcohol alternatives in it. They have to because that of never popular existed demand. except for like the last people, ten years. People just don't want to really drink anymore. It's not that cool anymore. Like people don't want to watch pornography because they know how it affects their mind. But you know what? All the research that they've done on how it affects their you know vibe or their energy, they're like, whoa, this is like dark entity stuff siphoning me or they're like this is actually not mentally healthy they can even understand with their brains that it's not mentally healthy and it leads to depression and all kinds of mental health issues all the stuff that most christians struggle with on a normal basis or they're still trying to defend well maybe alcohol is okay i mean you're gonna have to get with it because no one's ever going to want your version of christianity ever in any of the billion soul harvest that god's preparing it, it's it's worthless. It's useless. It doesn't cause you to have the sign of the circumcision, which is the moon, to go up. It doesn't set people free from pornography. It doesn't set people free from lust. It doesn't set people free, free from alcohol, or if they do, it's a big struggle. So why would anyone want to leave what they already have just normally in the world, just on the common grace that is out there for what for what you've had? There's no reason for them. It would be going like, it would be going from them having a healthy lifestyle and trying to do the right thing and living, you know, without their, you know, pornography, living free from alcohol, working well at their job, being an entrepreneur. Why would they want to leave that for like bondage and struggle and and lust and perversion and like everything that what we've known as like charismatic Christianity has become so steeped with? There's zero reason. It's never going to happen. Not in a million years. It's just not. So it's very obvious that it requires no wisdom or discernment to point out uh, the lesbianism, the homosexuality, that sort of stuff of Romans chapter 1, image bearing of the beasts, birds and reptiles and all that. But I want you to see Romans 2.14, which is actually more so than the Romans 1 right now. There's a more so of this than of that. Now listen to this. When Gentiles, who do not have the law since it was given only to Jews do instinctively, this is what we're explaining, they're instinctively the things the law requires, or the things pleasing to the law of the Spirit, guided only by their conscience. Mm -hmm. There are many, even millions, that are guided only by their conscience. They are a lot of themselves, though they do not have the law. They show that the essential requirements of the law are written in their hearts. I actually quoted this out loud on the phone to my friend today. (laughs) <laughs> That's the word of the Lord. Do you hear that? They show that God's word as Gentiles, non-Christians, right? Mm-hmm. But the law is written on their hearts. And this is the Bible, so take it seriously. Their conscience, their sense of right, their sense of right and wrong, their moral choices, bearing witness, and their thoughts alter, uh, alternately accusing or perhaps defending them on that day. As when my gospel proclaims, God will judge the secrets, all the hidden thoughts, and concealed sins of men through Christ Jesus. 
which means they're getting into heaven. Paul's saying, because the word of God's written on their spirit, they're getting into heaven. Now, the Christian hypocrite out here that has it in their mouth but not in their heart, mm-hmm. we'll see what God does with you. That's really what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with people that are more outward than inward. And a people that are inward, Paul says, are closer to God than those that go to church. That's exactly what he says. Because they live by the river. Now, a lot of them, they're going to get like swept up right into the name of Jesus as the cosmic gospel is preached from the second heavens. Because the only thing that's blocked them so far is you guys. It's us. We've been the problem. You see that? All the, it's all the earthly church. priesthood mm-hmm. that's been the problem. Yep, and so how we, how do we cease from being the problem? Well, we're not the problem anymore. We're going up on sapphire stones. So you have to repent from being a part of the problem. You know, We've repented maybe I'm the one to blame. <laughs> okay, yeah. you know how the song Repentance goes. is just more of God's life in yeah. higher realms. Repentance needs to be a daily attitude yeah. of the wash basin and the altar. The reason why those people won't call themselves Christians and they're not really as open to Christianity is because it doesn't take much to look at Christendom right now and be like, oh, no thanks. I don't want that. I would actually be much worse off and they're right. <laughs> they're actually correct. Like, It's better for them to not even touch that and get so defiled and become a haunt of every unclean thing of Jezebel. Mm. And why would they want to tank their finances and their health and their mental well-being? Right. To be called by... Find an, you know, your version of Christianity, find a nice church. They know it's bullshit. They know that. It doesn't, you don't have, you, you have to be any kind of sensitive to any kind of energy at all. Light and darkness. You can just tell. That's why most, and God has his people out there that aren't in the church buildings. They're just kind of in the wild, you know. It's in heaven away. I remember right when here. I got born again in 1999, I had been extremely deep in the occult and they drove demons out of me. For six months, from 99 to 2000, and when I was coming out of the depths of the occult, the most astonishing thing to me in the year 2000 was the same occult witchcraft spirits inside the church buildings operating Mm -hmm. as that were in the occult. Same Same demons. Same stuff, just they got a different name tag. (laughs) But when we say things to you like, most Christianity is a practicing of the occult, yeah. and that's what the Tower of Jezebel and the false mm-hmm. prophet of Revelation is. We're not lying to you. People are just so far gone in that bewitchment that they don't actually have that judgment towards themselves. The altar is to accept that judgment towards that occult, false Christianity that you've practiced in Pentecostalism, because it's the truth anyhow, and you'll be cleansed and purged of it, mm-hmm to come into the streets of gold. And there you'll be in the light of God and His glory with the mind of Christ all the time in the altar of incense. The altar of incense is written in the book of Revelation six times, which means that altar in Solomon's temple still exactly exists in the last book of the Bible. But it's not on earth anymore, it's in heaven. The real altar of incense of Solomon's temple is still functioning today. Most of the Jews understand that now. Under, mm-hmm. Now listen to this. I, this vision yesterday when Rebecca was teaching, I went into a, a vision and I saw how the, the Jews had been cut off from the tree of life, Romans 11. And how those branches were in the second heavens. And they're still there disconnected. 
and they still interpret Moses and the prophets, and you can call them names if you want, but they've been disconnected, and they're still up there practicing Judaism, because it just says that those branches were disconnected. But the branches disconnected, that's how they still fill the second heavens, because God gave them all the prophets and all of the ministry of the word and the Torah and the sacrificial system, so they have all of that celestial wisdom. They have that wisdom, but it's just not connected to Christ. Mm -hmm. So when I was seeing how Christ has now filled the second heavens, that's what written in Colossians, how Christ of the universe has filled the universe with his spirit, they are waiting for mm -hmm. people to go up into those heights to be re-engrafted in. Right, because why would they leave their version of Kabbalah that's working somewhat decently for them, for sand people, dog person, Christianity, bondage, and things that they don't even de deal with. You know what I mean? Like, why would they leave cosmic ability or ancient wisdom understanding that helps them to flee from the evil impulse? Why would they abandon that just to struggle with you guys down in the sand? Why, who in their right, no one in their right mind would ever do that, and you should never expect them to. It's just, we've been so dull and so unwise for so long, it's just, it's time. Now's the time. Now's the time to arise. Awake and arise. Shake the dust off. Get the circumcision. And don't beat yourself up or feel sorry, because remember, feeling sorry for yourself. Oh, that's just pride. It's a manifestation of pride. So you can just repent from feeling sorry for yourself. Like, there's no no more excuses, no more pity party. Come on, just get up, shake the dust off. Come on, let's go. We're not going around the mountain another hundred times. We're going up. We're going up. Mm -hmm. So just get all that condemnation off. There's somebody, if, if the Holy Spirit convicts you tonight and you just keeps showing you a person that you know, you did them wrong, you said the wrong thing, you attacked them, just go and make it right. You know, go and make it right. Say a prayer. There are certain individuals that have been cut out of your life. You don't need to go back to them. Right? Use wisdom, because there's some people that are just not even in your life anymore, and that's for God's purpose. Those ones, you just release the forgiveness to you, get the offense, get the bitterness out. But if they're like part of, especially if it's part of the body of Christ, uh, you know, that you want to go up on sapphire stones, reach out to the person and just, it might feel really scary at first, but I promise you, it's not that bad when you do it with a true heart and a true intention and apologize. That's just something, I don't know why, where they left that out in all Christianity. Nobody apologized to anyone for wronging them. Just everyone pretend like it didn't happen. And just, everyone just get over it, you know. And they're like, what? <laughs> it's so, like, even in kindergarten, that wouldn't fly. You know what I mean? <laughs> so and, You know, sorry doesn't even work with God. I mean, it certainly doesn't work in the body of Christ. It's not about just saying sorry. Oh, I feel sorry. That's I, that, Sorry means but, I feel listen, sorry for genuine myself. repentance will require the wash <laughs> basin and the altar for everyone this this system set up by god this is how you get clean and right with yourself and with others in those realms by actually apologizing <laughs> verbally whether it's text message or in person or over the phone acknowledging that you were wrong asking for forgiveness and apologizing with sincerity in your heart because god can god and all the angels can tell if you're just doing it just to check a box mm -hmm. like that's not gonna fly god the court yeah. of god he weighs the intentions of the heart so if you're like oh, i just gotta check this box off even though i think i was still justified you it actually means reaching out to the actual person mm -hmm. and apologizing and saying i'm sorry i was wrong do you know his spirit is thought and, life mm -hmm. spirit is thought life so the thought life has to repent your spirit is your thought life. So the Word of God judges the thoughts and intents of 
the heart, which is the word heart, spirit. So, mm -hmm. until the spirit thought life is purged through water and fire, mm -hmm. I mean, the spirit's defiled. The conscience is like sewage. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't approach God. It doesn't go up even one step from mm -hmm. the earth. It stays in the valley of death because it's full of deaths. So, the purging of conscience from all the thought life of demonic influence and sin, self-righteousness is a big one, all religiosity, and all lust, it has to be burnt up. In your belly. So the living water is what cleanses your belly. Out of your belly will flow rivers of crystal clear living water, John seven thirty eight, which is the judging of your thoughts until it's just God's thoughts like crystal clear water going through them. I wanted to say this too. Most of the Jews, almost all the Jews that are practicing today in the world understand that God destroyed the animal sacrifice, sacrificial system. They understand that God is not requiring animals anymore. Mm -hmm. That there's a change in Judaism that's mm -hmm. established. What was the change? The altar of incense alone now remains. So in a way, <clears throat> in a very sovereign way of Jesus Christ, King of the Jews, right, on his cross, they have transitioned into a New Testament, New Covenant style Judaism. Now, many of them don't receive Messiah, but God's preparing them. And the preparation is the destruction of the animal sacrificial system, because the lamb's been slain, and they all practice the altar of incense. Not literally in Solomon's temple, but the altar of incense spiritually, which is prayer. That's why they're at the wailing wall. Yep. The wailing wall is the altar of incense to them today. Remember, that protects you from lust. The incense of prayer, the incense <laughs> and the bread, that protects you from our recall from the other day. And also just a quick reminder, the Spirit was mentioning... Uh, remember that lust is actually hatred. So, Not literally the wailing wall. I'm talking mm -hmm. about prayer. Prayer. You can right. you have a wailing prayer. wall in your house, but turn it into a rejoicing wall. Right. Because God doesn't want to hear murmuring and complaining. Bread and incense. Right. That's right. Bread and incense. Right. This is not the God's complain <laughs> the wall. The oil of joy, Facebook. right? That's God's complain wall. The menorah Facebook. runs on the oil oh, of joy. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> You know, just crying emojis. <laughs> and 12 fresh daily loaves of steaming, mm -hmm. hot, apostolic That's... bread to feed mm -hmm. your spirit in the midst of the incense mm -hmm. so that you're praying out of the bread, yep. which is the word of God. Yep, so that's your Torah and your prayer. That's what protects you against the uh, evil impulse. And the, the spirit the was Lord. mentioning that he wanted to say was, keep in mind that lust is actually hatred. And he wanted uh, this to understand. So, you know, for ladies, uh, especially if... There's a, there's a spirit that makes women want to incite lust from men, like for attention, or maybe there's a, you know, parent wounds or some kind of wounds, or you went through something, or you, it makes you feel better, right? We can't comfort ourselves with sin. When you incite, there's a spirit that makes you want to uh, get lust from people. I know a lot of you are past that. You're just like, oh, no, it's gross. I don't want that attention. You already know it's because you don't like the demonic. Uh, that's fine. I'm not talking to you, but for teaching purposes, you can help others with this that the angels will probably bring you at some point. Uh, remember, don't. this is how you can begin to hate wickedness because it's wickedness when you want to have a spirit with you that draws like the attention from men in, in a lust where they want to mm. look at you. That's a spirit. And guys, you'll notice when a girl has that spirit, have you noticed when a woman walks by, mm. everyone's head or the spirit tries to grab your head and jerk your head to look at them? Like, you don't even know why. Demonic anointing. It's a demonic, yeah. And so the demons that they're in contract with, they'll go and try to, like, turn, they call them head turners. You know what I'm talking about? So you can know about this. Knowing about this will actually They're the you. ugliest women in the world. 
Yeah. If you see in the spirit, they look like black demonic ghosts. With nasty armpit hair like their mother just Nasty armpit hair growing on their mustaches. Yeah, that's pretty much how it is. Now, the, the, as the witchcraft comes off of your eyes, God what you think heart. is beautiful women will actually start to look ugly to you because you're going to think that the demonic is ugly. The only reason it even looks good to you is because of demonic veils and scales. It's all like an illusion, whether it's like makeup or no makeup or whatever. The spirit showed me this one time. Somebody came in. I was like at a nail salon and someone with the facade of beauty came in, but it was like that kind of demonic anointing. And I was like, oh, well, that's really interesting because it has the appearance on the to the eyes on the outside is beautiful. Well, you can see that it's like there's not anything beautiful about them. Mm. And, doesn't look, and then the spirit told me, he gave me specific names. He's like, this is what these people, like these men that you know, they like that. And I was like, oh, wow, because it, it's totally a demonic anointing. Mm -hmm. So as the veils get lifted, you're not going to be attracted to nasty stuff. Someone shared a video the other day. It was like when your spiritual eyes start to open and everyone's eating like beautiful strawberries and picnic. But then it like screened the screen came back and it was like nasty bugs and worms. And you're just like, oh, God, I'll tell you, yeah. this goes right along with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. When you begin to wash in the basin and in the altar, you carry that outside of you to reveal hearts around you automatically. When you're clean, you'll reveal unclean, uncleanliness, uncleanness, which is the sin of demons and the sin of animals. It'll be revealed and washed into the surface, into their countenance, into their face, uh, their facial mannerisms. I don't care who the person is in the realm of the natural. If they have an unclean heart and you're walking in the real wash basin of Jesus Christ's temple and his real altar of fire, the altar of gold and revelation before his throne, their face will start to contort and reveal animals really quickly. Yeah. I mean, they the almost always, everyone I get around will reveal their hearts around me because the wash basin and the altar have worked so significantly in my life that they're outside of my body, just like the temple of Solomon. They're outside the temple to clean and purge and reveal everything, everyone, which is called real discernment of spirits. It's the whole Solomon's wash basin and the 10 sapphire stones there, the 10 uh, wash basins that come from the larger one representing the throne of Jesus ruling and reigning on the outside in the animal realm and the altar for the animal. So if you have burnt up your animal on that altar, that altar will work towards everyone around you. As it is written, when your judgment's complete, you'll be quick to judge everything around you. When your obedience is complete, you'll be quick to punish all disobedience around you. It is written. And this is how it automatically begins working in your lives. Amen. And so the final point on that one was, you know, for ladies, remember, lust is hatred. So you actually don't want that attention. It might feel good for a minute, but it always comes with demonic slime. And it hurts your destiny. It'll hurt pretty much everything that God wants to do in your life. Uh, but just this will help you to not want that attention anymore. They don't. They're not looking at you because they like you. They, lust is hatred. They actually hate you. Lust is hatred. So when a man looks at you lustingly or is talking to you lustingly, it's not because they like you. It might. It has the appearance of good, appearance of, oh, they're being nice to me. Oh, they're giving me attention. They actually hate you. And that's a good one, too, for the men. If there's a woman that you've seen that you've lusted after, it's not that you like that thing. You actually you hate that woman. You need to repent from hatred. Um, because that's it's really strong and also a lot of times it's envy and jealousy I'm gonna quote this has a really strong language but one of the most popular songs in the last few years uh, with a demonic anointing 
um, is sexual, you know, kind of topics. It, the line, this famous line in the song says, I want to fuck the ones I envy. And he was speaking demonic truth straight from the kingdom of hell. And I remember here, I'm, you know, looking at that and saying, you know, that's actually really accurate. When there's hatred and envy, that's where you'll find lust. So you have to get real with yourself. It's like, it's not just, oh, it's what I desire. It's just animal impulse. That's actually hatred. And when there's hatred, there's murder, there's all those kinds of things. And it's all the hidden things of the heart. So just put it on the altar, let it burn. And again, ladies, you don't want that kind of intention because you don't want those hatred, that negative energy of that hatred coming toward you. You should never be asking for it. You don't need to be afraid of it. Like I'm afraid to walk in public and wear anything other than a garbage bag head to toe mm -hmm. to protect myself. I'm concerned just dressing like a Muslim because I can't take it anymore. They're leaked. Just when you when you notice someone lusts after you, just forgive and let it wash and let the wa as the waters come out of you, it's not going to touch you. Right? So you repent of your own lust like you know other Keep your conscience mm -hmm. clean. Yeah, repent of your own lust and um and as it washes, it's not going to bother you. It might bother the people around you. It's not going to What's the prescription anymore. of clothing? Jesus Christ, walk with me in white. Be completely clothed in the white. <laughs> like, right color today. In total innocence. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, and that's another thing too. I'm like, well, I want to. I know God wants. You know, some of you are like, oh, you know, you're gonna walk in freedom. You want to look cute, but you don't want to be looking like a whore when you leave the house. Get develop that relationship with God and your angels. Trust me, they will let you know. They will let you know. They will let you know. Let the angels pick out your outfits every day. Mm, you have got to work. Don't who yeah. who picks out your outfits every day? You know, me and my angels both. Like I get a thing. In it. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Co-creating that outfit yeah. every day. And you work with your angels and everything. Yeah. Fashion is huge in heaven. Oh yeah. On earth. And as the purity starts to wash all that jack. stuff, it's not going to be so much of an issue because people aren't going to want to lust after flesh bags. I don't know why that's a thing, lusting after flesh bags, but apparently it's a thing. And you can just remind yourself, as we're getting into the warmer seasons, if that's something, you know, no condemnation to you. I know you're an overcomer. You're going to use the bread. You're going to use the incense. As you're going out there, just remind yourself when you see something trying to a head turner or a demon, just swat that demon away. Release the, you know, release the fire, release the holy angels. But also, like, remind yourself, I'm not into flesh bags. I'm not attracted to that. Like, why? <laughs> just start to question, like, question the existence that you're living in right now. Why am I just going with the demonic flow of things? No, like, that's not what I'm into. I'm if you sin, you leave yeah. the holy place yeah. and you go to the outer court. Your conscience, if it is in agreement with the demon spirit or any kind of sin uh, tempts mm -hmm. you and, and seizes you, you're not in the holy place anymore, which means mm -hmm. you go back out to the wash basin, go and wash, and make sacrifice of whatever animal mm -hmm. thing pulled you out. Then you go back right. into the realm of the holy place and the realm of mm -hmm. gold, into the realm of the bread, because you're building up your spirit, you're doing what's right, offering incense, and serving at the oil of the menorah. On this path, if you really go for it, it eventually becomes impossible for you to even be attracted physically to other people other than who God You get sealed in the holy place, which is yeah. called walking in holiness. Be holy, yeah. because the Lord your right. God is holy. That that way, no matter by what earthly standards of someone has like you know beauty or hotness or whatever, it's actually it becomes impossible for you to even have a sexual response or be interested to lust after that. It's actually not physically possible because it literally that part dies. See all the gold inside the temple? Mm -hmm. That's the gold miter mm -hmm. that's on the head of the 
the renewed mind. Oh, that's really And good. on the, the gold, it was pure gold that mm-hmm. rested on the mind because that whole inside of the holy place is now your mind and inscribed upon the gold inside the temple upon your mind is written, Holy to the Lord. And that's what seals you in the holy place. That's so good. Yeah, and then also just a quick word here because I was seeing this one too. Anyone who, maybe you have strong emotions about like beauty or what should be considered beauty or body positivity. I can feel the anointing. Yeah, you feel that? Or like you just, (laughs) you know that God is going to be making you more beautiful than you are now. I know that that's, as you're going up, I would say. Fresh oil in all your heads. Golden oil oil from the holy place of Jesus. Focus on holiness because we're coming to a time where that holiness is going to be revealed as beauty. And so everything's going to be really seen how it is. So all that stolen appearance of beauty that the wicked have, it actually doesn't belong to them. Mm. It belongs to the righteous and the holy. And the people are God are taking that back. So you just focus on going up sapphire stones, get the circumcision. Don't worry too much. Like I said, don't be staring in the mirror, obsessing and like summoning Lilith and like all that, yes. you know, or Potiphar's what wife to come tempt Paul you. Paul say to women you know? in scripture, do not be consumed with outward appearance. Mm-hmm. That destroy your life. But he said, and if you don't do, if you don't go into worries and anxieties, and you don't get into all the extra, he said, be like who? He talks about the matriarchs, mm, and but like when, but they were known to be the most beautiful in all the land. Mm. Why? Because their husbands had a really high rank in the spirit, and so and they did too. They walked in righteousness. Um, actually, the matriarchs. I'll tell you this. There's a mystery. Oh, I always gotta leave you guys with a fun mystery at the end. Isn't that fun? <laughs> the mate to be a matriarch uh, level. Of entity, you need to be in that high, that fourth highest world that we talked about, absolute. Uh, that Earth sphere, uh, Malkut of Alts, absolute, and that's kind of where you get like the matriarch glory. You'll change from the inside, Christ in you. Yeah. Even your new body, mm-hmm. as it's written in Philippians three twenty one, that comes out mm-hmm. of the inside of the one you already got. Yeah, so take care of the body you do have. So while you're going on your journey on sapphire stones, don't freak out. I'm like, oh, I got to go up five sapphire stones a day. Like one rung at a time. Remember, it's the people who are consistent daily, daily bright and incense, daily resisting the evil impulse, daily making things right, repentance, apologizing, you know, when we're wrong, getting into the word, working with our hands in the blessing of the Lord for our businesses, for our families, you know, for our community, all those things. Just try to be consistent daily. And when something is upsetting you, stay calm, stay humble. We have a poster in my in my mind. <laughs> There's a pink poster. It has like a, you know, the, the the stay calm posters. It's like a pink one with diamonds and a crown on it. It says, uh, stay calm, stay humble. And so whenever things get too crazy, if the emotions, because when you're going through the emotions part of the tree, whoo, shoo. You might get a little unsettled in your emotions. It's going to happen. You're going to have to deal with it. How do you deal with it? Stay calm. Stay humble, which means stay in the peace of God. Stay in the word of God. If um, Whether it's the evil impulse or the desire of your brain for knowledge or for some of you because you're called to fight with um, to fight in our end battle against chaos. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a prophecy about that this year in the movie Sailor Moon 2023. Chaos battles. Anyway, all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, whether it's that when the chaos tries to touch you, when the evil Im- or when the evil impulse tries to touch you, what did the rabbis say? Drag it to the Torah study with you. Look, I don't care if I feel like I'm losing my mind or my emotions right now or I'm totally being tempted sexually right now. 
I'm just going to open the Bible and get into the Word of God. Or I get into the Joel's bar and go into the, or do the Hebrew study. Blue Letter, oh here, resources. BlueLetterBible.com. Super awesome free resource. I use this and BibleHub.com with all the different translations. And then the Hebrew tab. That is like some of the biggest building blocks for the master class uh, that I used. Those are free tools that you can use on your cell phone or on your desktop, Blue Letter Bible and Bible Hub. And you can look at the Hebrew meanings and you don't have to be a, like a big time scholar or, or have a lot of experience. It has it right there for you. Mm. And you can look at it and revelate. Oh, you know, what the Holy Spirit highlighted this one word in that verse to me. Okay, now go on those free tools. Look at it in, in the Hebrew. Look at the root of it. Mm -hmm. And there will more revelation open up to you. And you'll be so interested in what you're studying with the Holy Spirit that that thing's going to dissipate mm -hmm. away. The chaos lifts. If you're having fun it's studying the word, that means yeah. you're getting it into your spirit. Yeah. And you're growing in light. <laughs> And the evil impulse lifts, the lust goes away, the chaos goes away. But don't, you know, we gotta, like, oh, I think I gotta do all this warfare. Go ahead, say your prayer, break it off, do the thing, and then, but then say the prayer, do the incense, get into the study. <laughs> or if you're on the road, if you're on the go, if you're at work, or your hands are full of kids, you know, you can memorize it. You can get the headphones or get your audio Bible and listen, or RLM, if you have the Glory Life app, this is for free. Uh, in the links, download the app uh, for Glory Life. It's on Android. It's on iOS. Yeah, there's the... We actually have an audio Bible. Scan the QR code. You can do the um, RLM audio Bible. We have stuff on our YouTube Bibles you can listen to on your phone or on the TV. So you can have it going while you're doing. Uh, one of the craziest revelations that I ever had came from washing the dishes while listening to the audio Bible. And I would just keep washing, and I'd pay attention most of the time. And then one thing would kind of hit me, and I'm like, oh, wow, there's something there. I got to hear that again. I don't know. What did I just hear? When you feel that, that's the Holy Spirit trying to talk to you. So then I would stop the di dishes, pause, and rewind, and go back. Like if I'm listening on, like, you know, text-to-speech or something like that. Or I'd open up the Bible and go back to that part and just slow down and take a break and look at it. And like, wow, there was really something there. And then you get the download, and then it kind of finishes up, and then you go back to doing what you're doing. Go back to work. Mm -hmm. Go back to, you know, playing with the kids, doing the dishes, you know. So that's a way you can revelate while you're getting done the things that you need to get done. It's an impulse of holiness. Yeah. I've learned a lot about the impulses of the flesh, but the impulse of holiness is a desire in you to learn about God and His Word. And so that's often how mm -hmm. I study, just yeah. like that, where he'll... He'll put a word inside me where there's like, oh, this be funny. Ooh, yeah. Then I do a word search. I like to use the Takarta Bible app. Yeah, that's another And then good I one. read all the scriptures about that that word he put in my spirit. Yeah, that's good. That's the bread and the incense strengthen the holy yeah. impulse. So, again, you want to strengthen the holy impulse, especially in those times when you're not under attack. It's like, let's not just use that for, you know, relax time. Relax and fun time can be like your time with God, right? It'll enrich that. Strengthen time. yourself in off season. Yeah, stre that's strengthen so yourself you get in the off season. better stats when the season begins. <laughs> you got it. Exactly. And you make the play 100%. playoffs and win the Stanley, Stanley Cup. cup. <laughs> I'll take that cup from him. <laughs> Glory. <laughs> Amen.
Exodus 23:15. We shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For seven days you shall eat the bread, those twelve loaves of bread of the priesthood, as I commanded you at the appointed time of the month of Abib, for in it you came out of Egypt. So coming out of the earth into the heavens requires the eating of bread. And then when you're eating the bread, you have the sacrificial system burnt into you. The world is not clinging to you. You've offered the world on the altar so that no one shall appear before me empty-handed, but you shall bring sacrificial offerings. Exodus 23:15. Father in heaven, I pray for everyone at the sound of my voice to learn to bring sacrificial offerings onto this altar for this ministry and not just for the works of ministry, also for the enjoyment of the priest to really destroy this principality of poverty in this generation and get into the kingdom age where the priests are also the judges and the ruling of the earth and the government of God from the tribe of Levi of the cosmic Israel of the book of Revelation. A people that know how to support their priests as their government. It's a government of the priests. And eventually, guys, I tell you the truth. It's a promise in the word. It will consume the tax system of human beings and animals. I'm not saying this year or next year. It might be hundreds of years off. But the kingdom age will devour all the tax systems of all nations. And let those who pass that Jericho test, let those who pass that Jericho test of the silver and gold we talked about tonight, just be balling out of control on the next cities after that one. You can feel the heaven on that, can't you? Yeah, just balling out of control. (laughs) I can feel a a cosmic glory on that word. The abolishment of human systems by the establishment of the Messianic Kingdom Age. It'll come forth by a people that transition into this type of ministry and priesthood that's being pioneered here today. So support Red Letter Ministries. Here's all the information, how you can sign up, begin tithing using that sacrificial offering, eating the 12 loaves of showbread, participating in apostolic ministry to advance God's will over all the earth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll see you guys Tuesday. You're more than enough, Lord. You're more than enough. Hallelujah.